0: Hello and welcome to Casual Radio. I am your host, Corey Adam, and here with me as usual is my faithful co-host...
1: Hey, hey, Mr. Bob Scripner. How you doing, Mr. Corey?
0: Nice, nice. Just getting ready to ask you some
1: questions about your new live streaming. Oh, shit. Yeah, I've been... I've been... Uh, I decided to mix it up a little bit. I've been playing a lot of tactical squad games like Fel Seal and BattleTech and things like that, and I love those games a lot, but uh, the game... The, the set of games, the series of games that I have the longest history with are the ones that I'm actually streaming right now. The Total War series. Total War
0: series? Total
1: War. Uh, if you ever watched the History Channel, especially back in the day when it was actually about history and not aliens, they had a lot of shows where they would show uh, historical battles and they would break it down by using video game footage. The Total War games were the games that they used to to like show that footage. the The game engine that Total War used at the time.
0: Now, was it actual in-game footage or cinematics or just the engine?
1: It was actually in-game. Like you could actually uh, at least some of those battles could be refought because uh, the the game that I recall distinctly, the one that I played the most was Rome Total War, and Rome was the one that they used for like shows on Rome, and they would actually set the AI to play each other in Rome Total War and then record it and use that to show what the battle looked like. And like the battle, like if you zoom in on the, on the battles in game, you'll see them actually fighting each other, people actually dying, all that craziness. And that was actually part of the History Channel thing that they would do.
0: Now that I've been watching History Channel my whole life and never knew that.
1: Yeah. Well, there was a History Channel show and I think that was called History's Greatest Battles. And then there was a BBC show, I think, or an NBC or PBC show called uh, Time Commanders. They did the same thing with the same engine. It was the same basic concept. They used the same engine. They would set the battles up in-game real time and let them play.
0: Man, you know you've got a good game when you've got these kind of people using your cinematics in your gameplay.
1: Well, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, and even just cinematics, man, it's the actual game. And that's kind of the cool part about it is when you're playing it, especially Rome, which I'll kind of go through the series as we go, but... I played Rome as, as a kid and played... I still play it. I still download it and play it. They actually just created an updated version of it recently and put it on Steam, and I picked that up because I love that game so much. In the original Rome Total War, when you have a large-scale battle, because, you, you know, you build your armies up and you build your troops up, and then, you know, you battle wherever, but if you both have big sets of troops and it was a major battle, it'll actually have, like, a crossed swords area, On the map, showing it, and you can like scroll over it and see the date, the time, who won, what the commander's names were. There's all kinds of cool shit in that game. I love that game. I still love that game.
0: So it's actually using real world information. It's not just made up.
1: Right. Most of the civilizations have at least some units that are either specific to them or they use equipment that was specific to them. It's it's actually kind of cool. There's a part in Rome, specifically in Rome, when you start out, you're fighting as Republican Rome. So like earlier, before they were the, em- the emperors and that. And even before that, it was the pre-Legionary Army, which is what we think of when we think of Rome with like the, the helmets with like the cheek pieces and the big curved shields and like the tortoise, I think it's called the Testudo Formation. Right. That's basically what we think of when we think of Rome, like the, the red armor and all that shit. Like from the TV show Rome. Before that, they used a different system, the manipular system, which is what the game starts with. You start with basically they had three lines and then you recruit your troops and your troops have a combat rating based on which of the three lines they're in. And then you end up fighting, you know, whoever you fight because you can do whatever you want in the game. And then at a certain point, you get the Marian reforms, which is when it switched from the manipular legion, which is the old way. To the Legion, which is what we think of as Roman, as the Roman army. Right. It's kind of funny early in the game, if you, you know, depending upon where you fight, you can hire mercenaries, and also the actual people that live in that area, when you play as that civilization, you recruit the troops like that. And the way the Romans fight, that we think of Romans fighting, where they throw they throw two javelins and then they, they sword fight, was actually Spanish. And when you start the game, that's, you know, that's obviously not necessarily how they fight, but the Spanish all do. And whenever you recruit Spanish mercenaries or you take over Spanish territory, you can recruit units like that. And then in the middle of the game, they switch the The Marian reforms happen and then you have the Legion and that's how they fight. It's just interesting. It's interesting the way that works.
0: So they actually do adapt to the situations. That is awesome.
1: Yeah, it shows historically what happened like it's actually at a historic at the historic era in time when it happened as far as the years and whatever.
0: Right. Was Rome was that an expansion or was that actually like the first game?
1: The first game was Shogun, which was in Japan.
0: Oh, I know you love that.
1: So that's good, but the graphics in that are shit. Like I've only I that's the least played game by me that I've played that I own. And then Rome and then Rome had, an exp- had a couple of expansions. There was Barbarian Kingdoms, which is like the end of the Roman Empire. There's one called Alexander Total War, where it's just the basic Rome engine. But you do Alexander the Great's campaign, and if you lose any battles, you lose the game. And you have only the amount of turns that he had, historically, to make it work. So that's fucking hard mode. Yeah, uh it's it's fucking impossible hard mode. I've tried it like four times and just never. There's never a way to get it for me to get it to work cuz I'm just I'm not that good even on the easiest mode. And that's on the easy mode cuz I like to play games at least starting out on the easy mode and I have yet to even come close to it. Like five battles in, I'm done. So you get your ass handed to you. Yep. And then there was Medieval Total War and then there was Medieval 2, which is the one that I've been streaming and there's like it's got its own expansions. It's got The Teutonic Knights campaign, which is the one that I was streaming today. It's one of my favorites. I saw that. The Crusades. The Americas, which is like the conquistadors in North America. And then the Britannia campaign, which is basically the William Wallace campaign. William Wallace is on the cover of it. And that, for me, for my money, that is, even though it's more complex and has some different weird complexity things to it, that's my favorite of the games.
0: Now, are you playing them all in order?
1: No, right now I'm just, I just wanted to tinker with it, try it out. The Teutonic campaign is insanely hard. I I think anybody that watched the stream today would fucking agree because it was, you start out at war with somebody and you don't have enough money to recruit anybody extra. So as the Teutonic Knights, your troops are like higher quality. They have better armor, better weapons, but you have less of them. So that's kind of historically the way they did that. And that's kind of what they're doing in the game. It's a huge pain in the ass, to be frank. So choose wisely. Right. You got to, yeah, you got to, yeah. The Britannia campaign's a lot of fun. Depending upon who you choose, you can be the Vikings because the Vikings were in England up until I think the 1600s before the Scottish finally captured the last of the islands. You can be the Irish, which that this is during, you know, Edward I's reign. So the Irish were in rebellion at the time. You could be the Scottish, which William Wallace Or he could be England, which was Longshanks in the movie Braveheart.
0: Edward Longshanks, right?
1: Yep. And it's funny because his barons revolt like every other turn. It's almost impossible to make them happy. And he leaves on crusades twice through the course of the game. So it's so fucking hard to play as the English. They have all the best equipment, but it's almost impossible.
0: So not only are they revolting,
1: but during mid revolt, he's like, and I'm out. Yeah, he's like, I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta gotta go to the Holy Land, which historically is what happened. But damn, is it hard. Damn, is it hard.
0: Especially when your leader's gone.
1: Yep, your best guy. So it, it's a lot of fun, but damn. And then after Medieval 2, there was Empire, which that's probably the one I've actually played the second most of. I bought that when Clyde was a baby. And when I had swine flu and was home for three days and couldn't even get out of my chair... The only thing I did was play Empire Total War, which is from 1600 to 1800. So like the early modern gunpowder era, you research cannons, you get canister shot, which is like cannon-sized shotguns. Scatter guns. Yep, and it's also the first game that you play, you can actively play out naval battles. It's the first game that you can actually do that in the series, which is fun. It's really hard, but it's a lot of fun. And then there's Shogun 2, which is really cool. That's another, you know, Japanese history game. And I really like that one. And that actually has two expansions, one before the Shogun. And the second one is the Fall of the Samurai, where you can actually recruit U.S. Marines with Gatling guns to help you fight samurai. Nice. Yeah, there's Rome 2, which is like a more complex version of Rome, Total War. That's a really fun one. There's Attila which is Attila the Hun. That one's really hard. That one's probably the one I've, I have the most trouble with because you can't keep your people happy because you can't grow enough food. That was actively one of the things historically that led to all of the migration that was happening, which was causing all of these wars. That's something that, that's in the game. You can't really break away from that. You're kind of stuck with it. So that game is insanely difficult.
0: Now, does it bring up how he basically... Fucked everybody and just about everyone. So now
1: we're all related to him. Uh, That was Genghis Khan. That happens in Medieval 2. The main game and the Teutonic Knights campaign both have the Mongolian invasions happen. That's where that comes from. And in a few of the expansions, I don't remember all of them, but in a few of the expansions, you can actually do a thing where if your last city gets taken over, instead of just losing, your people, like, they become nomads and they just kind of take off. And you, the next time you capture a city, that be, that becomes your capital. So you can kind of do that migration thing where it's like, oh, well, these guys are too tough. We'll just go west until we find some sissies, take their city, and then it's ours.
0: So keep moving until we find some bitches.
1: Yep, that's right. And with the amount of, uh, with the difficulty in keeping your cities happy in that game, there are always rebel cities. So, I mean, there's a lot of war you could be doing where you're not having to fight anybody that's going to fight back. Which is nice. That's that's handy. The ones we actually win at. Exactly. The ones we can actually beat. You know, the easy ones. So,
0: since you brought up graphics, which one, in your opinion, has the best graphics overall?
1: The I've heard that the Warhammer ones do. I don't play the Warhammer ones. I don't care for them. I've briefly played Three Kingdoms, which is like the, the Romance of the Three Kingdoms, the History of China version. And when you play that, you have a choice of two different modes. There's... Historically accurate mode, and there's romance mode. I think we've discussed this before, where romance mode is your generals do like a fucking kung fu movie where they'll jump off their horses and whip their giant spears around and cut people's heads off and shit. That one is the most graphically beautiful of the entire series, as far as I've played.
0: And how far down the line is that one in the series?
1: I think that's the second newest one. There's a Total War Warhammer, I think, three now that's the newest. But right before that was Three Kingdoms, so I think that's the that's the newest one. See, I've always been an AOE guy. Yeah, I love H of Empires too. H of Empires is great. I haven't had a chance to play the new one. I know you've been playing the hell out of it. I'm jealous because I really want to play it, but I don't have the cash to buy it.
0: Yeah, I I got it on. Uh, actually, no, I bought it brand new on Steam. The other ones I got. Yeah, the other ones I uh, had on disc when they were when they were new. I did too. Yeah, but now it's all digital downloads.
1: Yeah, my laptop doesn't even have a disk drive, which I always thought was never going to be a thing. Crazy how old we're getting.
0: I spent all that money on an Alienware laptop, and I'm like, wait, it doesn't even come with a CD drive? for $2,500? bucks. mm hmm um, So if you could choose, now you've played Age of Empires, right? I played
1: all of them, except the newest one. Which one would you choose? I pick Total War. I like real-time strategy games, but I think you've got to be a little bit more... You've got to have better hand-eye coordination, I think, and my hand-eye coordination is garbage. The thing with the Total War games is Age of Empires is all real-time strategy. Everything you do happens as you click it, right? Like, you're building your buildings. Well, that, that's going on, and you're watching it happen, you know? In Total War, the game happens in turn-based mode until you go into combat, and then combat is real-time, so like when I go to build something, I can look and I can bring up a screen and it'll say, how much money am I going to make next turn? All right, well, I can afford to build three infantry units and one ship. Whereas in Age of Empires, I can hit pause to think that through, but I don't really have time to, like I can, I can do more, I think, in Total War than I can Age of Empires as far as that, just because like I said, my, my hand-eye coordination's crap.
0: And one of our differences is you're really into the turn base. And I've never really gotten into that. I like to move as it moves kind of thing, not wait and take time. And I I don't know. I rush into things like that.
1: Yeah. It's funny because I started out playing Doom 2 and Command & Conquer, which were real-time games. And I still love real-time games, but I'm not as good at that. Like I never 100% beat the StarCraft campaign because it was too fucking hard for me. Like I can do total war because again I've got time to kind of plan my moves out you can use the the terrain you can use you can use diplomacy you, there are a lot of different ways to set your opponent up so even if they're attacking you you've got an advantage you know what I mean and with real time strategy I just yeah it's like everything like for me the fun part is planning it out and then doing it And in, in a real-time strategy game, it's just like, it's already been planned out for you when you're doing it, which is still fun. It's just not as fun to me, I guess. Right.
0: Whereas I, I like to figure it out in the middle of the fight. It's, it's more fun to me.
1: I like to plan my campaign and then do it. You like to get in and just start fucking shooting, which is good. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean,
0: there's always the, the general rules, make a plan, execute the plan. The plan's going to fucking fail, throw it away and make a new plan. That's how I roll. The one you're playing now, I was watching a, I was watching a bit of it. And like I saw some of the cinematics in that loading screen. I mean, it, the art was really beautiful on it. How old is that game? Graphics are really, really good on that. I did like that.
1: Yeah, November 15, 2006. So yeah, the original, and that's not even the original. That was a little bit later. So that would have been 2007. So probably 2007 is the graphics you were looking at. So I mean, pretty good. And like I said, that's the same engine that they used For all of them, I think they've just built onto it and made it, you know, they've added to it and changed it a bit.
0: How many of these games do you have total?
1: A lot. I have, like I said, I've got almost all of them, but the Warhammer ones. So I've got Attila, Kingdoms, which is like during the era where the Vikings were taking over England, which is a slightly different game, but the same concept. Empire, Medieval 2, Napoleon, Rome 2, Rome... Rome Remastered, Shogun 2, Three Kingdoms, Thrones of Britannia, which is another one that's about that era, and then uh, Medieval 1, Shogun 1, and then the the first two Romes. So with the one you're playing now,
0: what's your favorite? I don't know how to say it. What's your favorite army? Uh, who's your favorite that you play? Who's your go-to?
1: When, if I'm just fucking around, I usually play as England on the main campaign which, like, is all of Europe, including Italy. It's got North Africa. It's got the Middle East, right? I play as England because when you take over everything in England, you have no rear that somebody's going to come and attack you in. So
0: no flanking position.
1: Yeah. If I want a little bit of a challenge, I'll play somebody, like, somebody in Northern Italy. Everybody wants what they have, and they don't have any really good troops to defend it. So it's a lot harder of a game, like Milan. I think Milan is one of the the factions and uh but when you first start the game you're actually restricted to the factions you can pick. Like when you for, it, it, when you first play Rome the first time, you can only pick one of the three Roman Roman campaigns. So there are three different Roman clans you can choose to play as. And then as you beat civilizations, you unlock them to play as them. If you beat the game like on any of the modes, you get instant access to all of the civilizations. Nice. Yeah, so it's 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 a little different, and then in medieval, it's the same way. the 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 base game, you start off with like five, so it's like England, France, Denmark, Spain, uh, the Holy Roman Empire, I think, and then once you beat beat the game with somebody, it opens up like another fifteen fifteen different countries.
0: So technologically, who would you say has the best chance?
1: Technologically, it's the English because the English get so much money and they get access to the late-game like professional armies where they've got cannons. Instead of having to besiege places, you just blow people's walls up. Their armies are a little bit more professional, and they've got better access to sea units, which, instead of having to march over land, you just whip them around in a boat and drop them off. It's pretty damn handy. I like playing as the Holy Roman Empire, because especially when you get towards northern Italy and south, like, towards the Balkans... There's a lot of mountains and I like playing the mountainous campaigns because you can control where people march and it's like playing a real life campaign. It's like actually planning out like a general. All right, well they can't go here, they can't go here, they don't have enough room to go here. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna build a fort here, or I'm gonna leave a hundred thousand archers here and move west over here and they can't come through and attack me. Like I like that. That that's interesting to me.
0: Right. Set up a kill box on that ass.
1: Right, exactly, and, you know, strategically, if they can't move, move, then you got them. Yeah, speaking of
0: archers, did I ever send you that meme that had me dying laughing for a while? It showed an archer, and it said, the invention of archery, and it showed the guy, and he says, I really want to stab this motherfucker, but he's all the way over there.
1: That's really funny, I like it.
0: I'll have to send that to you, That's that was supposedly the invention of archery right there. Wanting to stab a motherfucker, but he's too far. Yup. Nice. With all of these that you've played, you've already said who, who your favorite, you know, kingdom or civilization would be. You've said who is the best technology. Who is your least favorite?
1: <sighs> man, I hate to say it, but uh, man, the Irish.
0: Okay, and why is that?
1: The Irish and the Scottish, because the Irish don't really, in uh, the Britannia campaign especially, the Irish are at a huge disadvantage. They don't have really good militaries. Their people are fairly unarmored and they don't have good cavalry. And the Scottish are the same way. The Scottish, it's the only civilization in the game. And I don't know if this, I don't remember if this is the same in the base game, but in Britannia, especially the nobles, if you recruit a noble unit, usually in most of the civilizations, that's your knights. So they're armored and on horseback. In Scotland, the nobles fight as pikemen, as spearmen. So they have kind of shitty march. They don't have good attack. They're better on the defense, which is fine. Like they're good units it's just not like I like to penny in the front and hit you in the, in the flank with a, with a horse and get you out of there. That that's my thing. So
0: don't talk dirty to me pervert. So if you could talk to the, the developers right now,
1: what would, what war would you, what era warfare would you pick and who and why? If I, if I had to have them make a new game, I would pick uh, the Mongolians. Why? Uh, the Mongolian empire is fascinating to me with, it's Scope, you know, the biggest empire ever. Yeah, they fuck some shit up. I mean, it stretched from the southern tip of India all the way through all of Russia, from Korea and the eastern peninsula of Kamchatka all the way to Poland and Egypt. Genghis Khan's tactics, considering how his tactics are still studied today, especially by modern military commanders looking for Different ways to surprise the enemy and use your mobility like his tactics are still used today. Just the adaptation to where they were at in that empire, the Mughal Empire, which was the Mongolian version of India when they took over all of India, is still one one of the people that you can fight. You can also fight in the Crusades. You fight against assassin units. The assassins were formed in reaction to the Mongolians. You are fighting through all these games, and then in the the base game, the Mongolian invasion happens then, and in the Teutonic Knights campaign, the Mongolian invasion happens. So just, they they touch on everything, in every aspect, in every era of history to some degree. Like, the, the fall of the Roman Empire, you know, did not happen until 1453, when the Turks took over Constantinople, right? The reason the Turks left Central Asia was because of the Mongols. The Mongols chased them out of Central Asia, and they ended up making an empire that lasted from 1450-whatever until 1918, you know, one of the longest-running empires ever. Like, just, there's so much history, and even, you know, touching on American history, the Kamikaze was originally a typhoon that wiped out the Mongolian fleet when they came to take over Japan, twice, in an area that never had had typhoons before or since. They called it the Divine Wind, the Kamikaze that's what they named the the kamikaze's after in world war 2. Like stuff like that just it touches on everything. Every aspect of history has something to do with the mongols and that's fascinating to me. That says a lot. Yeah, a small nomadic pastoral people that had at most in their army when they started conquering, at most they had 100,000 men conquered fucking something like 65% of the world's landmass.
0: Yeah, that that's gangster
1: yeah, it's insane to think about. And Genghis Khan didn't start conquering till he was in his 30s. He was a slave for four years. Like, it's insane. It's insane to think about. That's what I would like to see. Man, that sounds freaking awesome is what that sounds like. It, it would be, it seems like it would be hard to do just because, like I said, Mongolian battle tactics, you know, still perpetuate even today. But a lot of the things that they did weren't from just man-to-man kicking ass. They did a lot of stuff where they just understood human nature. Like one of their tactics was they had used a tactic on the steps that they used during sieges where they would gather up all their food and all their treasure and whatever and leave it and then turn around and ride away. And they would ride very slow for two days. And on the third day, they would turn around and ride like hell all night and show up right as everybody was picking through their shit and kill everybody. Yep, yeah, touch my shit, see what happens. Right, like they got greedy and fucking they snatched them up, and they did that during city sieges. Like you don't think about that shit. Nobody had ever, nobody does that. You know what I mean? Like it's just insane. And then when they got to China, they got to northern China, and they were like, "Hey, cities are hard. I'm gonna steal some Chinese people and make them make me some fucking siege engines, and we're gonna destroy these walls." Like it's just it's insane. It would be like if, and this is not to shit on anybody because I have a lot of respect for the for Native Americans as a culture and historically. If the Native Americans in their era invaded England and took it all over, it's mind boggling. You know what I mean? Like something that they had no concept of 30 years later, just wiping people out with it. Like that's not how human history normally works. You know what I mean?
0: Right. Things evolve, but they happen very slowly and over a lot of events. These guys were so outside of the box. It was dreaming and it worked. It, it, It worked real good. And unfortunately, one of the things that their advantage is that everyone thought lesser of them. So they didn't think they'd never thought of them as a threat until it was already too late to conquer that much landmass.
1: Yep. And their reputation really preceded them because a lot of the conquering that they did was bloodless because they I think they actually sacked three cities ever. But everybody was so afraid of how bad that was that everybody would just say, yep, it's yours. You're the boss. Right, <laughs> so we pay the bills to who now? Yep, they were. They didn't actually have to fight as much as people think either. It's just, it's insane. And Subatai, who was one of Genghis Khan's best buddies, was the last of his arrow companions to die. And he died of old age after, I think he was like 80-something. He was in charge of the invasion of Hungary and Poland. And he was, in his late 70s, huge, so hugely fat that they had to carry him on a cart. Damn. Now, if you think about it, in today's army, even, somebody that big, they would just, they would drum you out. At that era in history, they expected every general to be fighting, right? This guy was too fat to set a horse. Not only did he conquer a bunch more territory, but he's also the first person ever to use field artillery. They came to a bridge, and the Hungarians and the Polish set up a bunch of, like, pikemen on the other end of the bridge so they couldn't come past them. So they set up trebuchets and catapults and started just shooting rocks at him until they killed a bunch of them. And whenever they left, they just crossed the bridge. It's the first time that anybody ever thought of that. An old man who had never seen this. This guy had never done this ever. Nobody had ever done this. They were too unwieldy. Normally, like if you think about it, like think about a cannon today being used like while you're doing an amphibious assault. You don't use it from the front lines. You use it from further back. He was putting his shit on the front lines like nobody had ever done before. Tell us a little bit about casually hooked crochet. So basically casual wifey
0: has been working on starting a crochet and do it yourself kind of thing. And she's starting off small with crochet, but casually hook crochet to Gmail on Instagram. But all the videos are going to be premiering and be shown on YouTube, but you can find her on all the social.
1: I checked out those first two videos. They're pretty damn cool. I don't give a shit about crocheting, but for somebody that doesn't give a shit about crocheting, I was excited to watch it and they were pretty interesting and pretty well done for a first timer. So, I mean, check it out because it's pretty cool. My
0: wallet hates it, but it's it's a really good show. She's doing some pretty crazy, interesting things. And she's getting so many views. Like a five-minute video got her 21 views within three days.
1: Yeah, it's pretty wild. And she's just starting out. So, who knows what? In a year? Oh, man.
0: Yep, she'll have 22.
1: That's right. We've been on her for a while, but uh, I'm glad she finally started it.
0: Absolutely. And she will be brought into our fold, so she is one of the casual family. I will be interviewing her at some point in time if I can ever get her to actually sit down and do it.
1: That's the problem. Getting her to follow your orders instead of the other way around. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Yup. What do
0: you got to plug? What are you up to these days?
1: Uh, just, I've been doing a lot of streaming. Uh, I'm gonna be, I'm over halfway through with Bel Seal, so I'm gonna be streaming that again in the next few weeks. I had to level up a bit because I got my ass kicked last time. I'm gonna keep streaming Medieval Total War, probably a few other Total War games, because I love those games. I'm working hard on a new story. One of the biggest holdups has been I've been i I'm still world building this world for this new novel series that this story is gonna take place in. But I've got probably 80% of it done. I just need to organize everything. Gotta finish this story. I'll have it edited. Hopefully by the end of the month is my plan, and then I'll be posting it for free for everybody to look at, to check out, to send me your feedback. Plan on visiting, revisiting that part of the world pretty regularly over the rest of the year while I finish the first novel. Look out for that. That's going to be coming soon. Oh, we'll promote the hell out of that when that's ready. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Keep listening. Keep sharing. Send us emails. Tell us you want us to interview you. Tell us what you want to hear about. If you want to hear more history episodes, let us know because, like I said, I I could talk about this all day, every day. If you want to hear about movies, TV shows... More games. Speaking of, Mr. Corey Adams been been streaming some of his favorite games. What have you been streaming?
0: So I got this new rig running. I figured I might as well go back to some old PC games I enjoyed years ago. So right now it's Watch Dogs, Watch Dogs 2, Watch Dogs Legion Sucked. We've covered that before. So I will not be playing that one. Right now, I, I'm going to work my way through to two Watch Dogs, and then I'm going to start with maybe the Division 1 and the Division 2 when that's done.
1: Nice. You've been uh, been hammering pretty hard at those. You got like four hours the other day.
0: I can't get enough watchdogs. Like, if there was enough written information I could find about lore, I'd be doing watchdogs lore.
1: Shit, why don't you write your own stories of that universe, man? That'd be awesome. Because
0: but... I don't know shit about hacking in real life.
1: You don't have I to do how- anything. Make it up. That's the whole point of writing, is to make it up. I mean, you're
0: not wrong, but... When someone who does know what they're talking about shows up talking about hacking, they're like, yeah, so that's not what you Aiden Pierce is a great character, man.
1: We're hoping to have a four-way interview with Clark and Russ, and then hopefully a little Delta Green game to get to wet our whistles on that. I'm hoping to get you guys involved in that enough to so where we can play that on the reg, because I think you guys really like it, especially Mr. Conspiracy Theory over here.
0: Hey, I'm here every weekend. It's just getting you clowns to show up at the same date, same
1: time. That's true. That's a good point. But uh, I think that was a good episode, sir. Be looking out for more history episodes. Be looking out for some just pop culture episodes, movies, TV, books, whatever you got, guys. If you want to hear about it, you guys have been listening. Thank you for subscribing. Please, you know, give us a rating. Give us a five star rating if you can, if you like it. If there's something you think we could do better, something you'd rather hear, email us. We do want to hear it. Even if it's negative, we want to hear it. Please reach out to us.
0: It's always welcome for you to send me an email that says Bob sucks. I will post that everywhere.
1: Everybody loves to hear about how much Bob Scrivener is terrible. So you're not the first. You won't be the last. So that is it for the day. Is there anything you want to close with? I I think that's it, brother. Thanks for doing this. I think this was a good episode. And uh, Bob's your uncle. That's right. And this is Casual Oregon. Casual Radio.
0: We're out.